everybody. So I'm Mark. Is that me? <laughs> it worked. Hey, thanks for coming tonight. I'm really excited to be here. It is a pleasure and an honor to be able to stand up here. Actually, I usually sit in the back and I see the backs of your heads. So I need all of you to turn around so that while I'm... Uh, Never mind. Hey, Pastor Dan, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity, Miss Kim, wherever you're at. It is an honor to be a part of this church. We love you. We get to host, my wife and I get to host a uh, house church, and they are the leaders at that meeting, which is fantastic that I don't have to be the Bible answer man every week. He gets to, he gets to do that, and so that is an awesome, awesome privilege. So thank you so much for letting me have this opportunity tonight. So, uh, I've never used one of these before uh, as I'm preaching, so give me a little grace as I'm trying to figure this out and be uh, technological. It's a very technological church. So, uh, so Shauna and I are uh, folks that come to church here, and we're really, really honored to be a part of this church. Now, before I dated Shauna, I actually dated a dentist. Yeah, I dated a dentist, and we went on a date. And uh, when the day was over, she said, you know, I had a great time. I said, good. Uh, can I see you again? She said, yeah, I'll see you in six months. <laughs> so for what, the past month or so, we have been talking through the book of uh, Romans chapter 14, which is a really, really heavy chapter all about how to do life in your world, how to deal with people that may have different ideas about how to serve the Lord than others might. And so one of the Sundays that we were here, we looked at what the issues were that were there, but then we also added in some of the issues that we deal with here in our world in 2022. Uh, there are issues that really, really matter to your walk with the Lord, and then there are issues that kind of don't matter. We call those salvific issues, those ones that matter for salvation. You know, did Jesus die on the cross, and, and his blood shed for you, and his resurrection? Those are important, and we all really have to really have those at the center of our faith. But then there are ancillary issues, issues that are beyond that, that really don't matter a whole lot, whether or not you believe in those kinds of things or not. And that's kind of what that chapter is about. It shares some of those issues that there were people that were kind of arguing about and fighting about, and they, they couldn't really get it together. And right in the middle, it says, look, here's what matters. The kingdom of God is, is what matters. It's not about what you eat. It's not about what you drink, but it's about righteousness, joy, and peace in the Lord. And we brought up some of the issues in here that are contemporary for us. Uh, and I think on that list up here were things like masks and vaccines, which, praise the Lord, today is the day that that all gets lifted in the state of Colorado. You don't have to have a vaccine when you go into the Paramount Theater or wherever you may go. Um, uh, what else was on there? Beer was brought up, whether, whether beer is a, is a big issue or not. Sexuality came up. Uh, the Oxford comma came up. There were other things that came up that night. Uh, in fact, one brother said, look, I drink beer, and I get, I get not ridiculed for it, but people look down on me because they think that that's wrong. And we kind of went around and around on that one a little bit, and it was really, really good. And there are some things that can actually divide 
people. There are issues that come up that can divide friendships. They can break relationships. One person believes one thing, another person believes another. And, and sometimes emotions can get in the way of that, and it can destroy relationships. If you're not careful, and you're not graceful and kind, and you're dealing with people that may have a different idea about how to serve the Lord, then there can be things that, that can be, be difficult. There are ways that uh, maybe some people don't talk nicely, speak nicely to somebody else because they may believe one thing or another. And so as I was thinking through all of that, that's great that that chapter is there. However, I want to know, what do you do with that? How do you deal with people that may turn into your enemy? People that may not like you because you, they think that you're taking God's grace or his love and you're abusing it, like you're not, you're, it, they call that sloppy agape, where, where, you're, where your grace is greasy and, you, and, and, you, and you're, not, you're not respecting the Lord in the way that you do life. And so it's possible, and I've had it happen to me, where people don't like me because of maybe some of the ways that I interpret scripture or read the Bible or understand how life is supposed to work. And so I'm going to go through a couple things. And at the end, I'm going to read this chapter in the book of Luke that is like skipped over. I mean, pastors don't want to preach it. They don't want to talk about it because it's really, really hard. And it's full of all sorts of wild ideas that Jesus brings towards. He uses hyperbole and there's, there's language couched in there that it's kind of hard to understand sometimes. And you wonder about his sarcasm and the way that he, he kind of bites when, he, when, he's, when, he's, when he's talking to some people. So when I was a little guy, my dad quit the corporate world. He was working for Litton Industries. And we moved from Ventura, California to Williams, Arizona. Tiny little town, 30 miles west of Flagstaff. And my dad was an entrepreneur. He tried to do a whole bunch of different things. But one of the things that my parents did was they bought a boarding house. So we lived, the family, five of us, lived in the basement, not the basement, the first floor of the boarding house, and there was the, the like, the place where uh, that you board people was in the upper level. There were, like, seven or eight rooms up there, and there was uh, all sorts of transient men, typically, that would come by and board in the house and pay like five bucks or whatever it was. It was pretty cheap back then to stay at the boarding house. Um, if you ever have seen the movie Cars, the little town, Radiator Springs, that's in that movie, is Williams, Arizona. I mean, that was the town. Route 66 used to go right through the middle of it, but then in the 60s, uh, Interstate 40 was built about five miles away, and the little town began to dry up because nobody would stop anymore at the A&W Root Beer Stand, which is where my, one of the other endeavors that my dad had. And, um, uh, and so the town kind of got slow. But who stayed in the boarding house? Lumberjacks stayed there, truck drivers, construction workers, road workers, those kinds of people stayed at the boarding house. Well, there was a door in like, I mean, like right in the middle of the house that led up a set of stairs to go up there. And that door was off limits. If we ever even touched the doorknob, we were, we were soundly beaten. 
So there were, there were untouchables. There were people upstairs that you just don't go near because who knows what could have happened to us innocent little, you know, the little Christian family. You know, who knows, who knows what, could have, what could have happened to us. So, like I said, there is a section of Scripture that seems to be untouchable. A lot of, like I said, a lot of people will, they'll read their Bibles and they'll get to this and they'll be like, oh, that's nice, nice Jesus. And then they'll just go right on past it because it's hard. It's really, really hard. So it is found in the book of Luke. But before I, before I get there, I want to uh, say something about this guy, Luke. I don't know if you know this or not, but he is the only guy that wrote a book in the Bible that is not Jewish. He is the only man who is not Jewish. And he didn't write just one book, but he wrote two, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Both were written to this guy named Theophilus. Both of the books are written to one man. Now, it seems to me that there are a lot of words in these books. In fact, there are more words in these two books than all of Paul's words. More Greek words. This is, this is Greek now, okay? Not King James English or NIV or whatever it is. But it seems a little bit odd to me that one, that it would have been written to one guy, Theophilus. Well, let's look at his name for a second. The name, the word Theo in there means God. The word Phyllis at the end is not a woman's name, but it comes from uh, the word love in Greek. There's four words for love, agape, phileo, storge, and eros. And this is one of those, this is one of those words. So Theophilus, his name means lover of God. That's what his name means. So some people think, and I kind of agree with this idea, is that this book was not necessarily written to one guy, but secretly written to a whole bunch of people, including you and including me. That he did this kind of secretly, kind of furtively to, to get this out because at the time it was a little bit tricky to make this happen. Luke has a very, very unique take on the Messiah because he is not a Jew. The Jews thought they had God in a box. They, had a, they thought they had him trapped. They're not, you know, they are the chosen ones. But Luke was like, wait a minute, this story about this guy is amazing. Luke doesn't really show up until about Acts chapter 16, if you read through. And he's hanging around with Paul until Paul gets arrested. And Paul, when he gets arrested, Luke leaves and he goes back and he talks to a bunch of people and he gets some notes and he investigates and he interviews people and then he writes the whole story. And he is so jazzed about this story that this is what he comes up with. If you look at it from the very beginning, no other writer has this amazing beginning about Jesus' birth. All these stories about Gabriel and angels and Mary and dreams and visions and Zechariah and him going mute and the different people that he gets to talk to. Luke is jazzed 
In fact, he's so jazzed, those five words, DJ talked about this at Christmas time, that word thaumazo, or wonder, or amazement. There are five words like that. Thaumazo, uh, ekleso, existemi. Existemi is a cool word. You know that emoji where it looks like the guy's brain is blowing off? He's like, <laughs> like mind blown? That's what existemi. So if you're reading through the, through the Greek and you, and you see that word, you should just put that emoji in there because he's like, whoa! And, and Luke does that over and over and over again in this story. He's like, you people, come on. This is the Messiah. Whoa. I mean, that's like what he's writing. He's amazed. He's in wonder. He's marveled. And that word, those words just show up over and over and over and over again. And he's just he's like, holy cow, this, this Jesus guy, is. He, this story is amazing. And you people that are just kind of taking it for granted, don't just take it for granted. It is awesome. And the way that Jesus port is portrayed in the book of Luke, he is, he's a radical. He's, he's there to upset the nationalistic religion of the day. He's there to mess with the people, to say, look, it isn't about what you think it is. The ideas about how you minister to the Lord and love him are not what you are doing. You're, 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 you've got it wrong. In fact, Jesus was almost killed after his very first sermon. Luke chapter 4, he preaches. They want to send him off a cliff when he is done, but somehow Jesus escapes because it wasn't time for him to die just yet. The reason why that they want to kill him is because when he uses examples in the Bible, or, or when, he, when he uses illustrations, he uses two people that are not Jewish. One lady with leprosy and a king who are not Jewish. And they're like, no, you're, you're messing with, our, with our, the way that we have done things forever and ever. You've probably heard of the story or the parable of, of the wineskin and the wine. You guys have heard of that? Well, it's interesting, in that parable... The word new, N-E-W, there are actually two Greek words for the word new. One is neos, like neo, and the other is kainos. Neo is like, like uh, a baby. It's new, it's, it's fresh, it's young. It's, it's new, but it's not anything like revolutionary. Right? It's just another one of the same thing that's just smaller that will grow up. But the word kainos is completely different. Kainos is like going from a horse and buggy to a car. It's completely different. It's kainos is like it's, like it's new, but it's, you've never seen it before. And it's really fascinating when you look at that parable and you know which words are neos and which words are kainos, it will blow your mind, I am telling you. Jesus is saying, look, the old is gone. <laughs> there is a kainos way of doing things. You know that scripture? This just came to me in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Um, Therefore, if anyone is new in Christ, he is a new creation. That word new there is kainos. Old, the old, no. Nothing about you when you are in Christ is like the old guy. You are, if you're kind of, you are fresh. You are, you are, it's like wipe the slate clean, start all over again. Jesus does that to them 
and says, look, it's, it's not like what you think it is. The way that you serve the Lord is you, you've messed it up for a long, long time. And I was sent here to give you all a spanking. I, I was sent here to straighten it out, to fix it, to make it right. So in chapter 6, starting in verse 17, there is what is called the Sermon on the Plain. You've all heard of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, is this the same sermon, or is this a different one? Who knows? Maybe Jesus said some of the same things to different groups of people. Maybe he said different things to different groups of people. But it says right there in verse 17, he went down with them and stood on a level place. So this is different than the, than the, than the mountainside that he was on when he was, when he was speaking the Sermon on the Mount. And this is a discipleship training course, gentlemen, wrapped up in just a, a, a less than one chapter. And Jesus takes some time right here to talk about some things that are pertinent and important and necessary for anyone who wants to follow him. Now, a lot of people ask the question, uh, why don't we do such and such from the law anymore? Or what happened to the law? What happened to the Torah? What happened to the 613 laws that were in the Old Testament? What happened to those? Why did things change? I want you guys to take note of this little diagram. When the law hits Jesus or the cross... Three things happen to those things. One is that those things end and don't go any further. Some examples of that would be food laws. We don't worry about shrimp and bacon anymore. We're allowed to eat that to our delight. Glory, hallelujah. The killing of animals in the temple. That doesn't happen anymore. It would be brutal if we had a little lamb up here every Sunday morning and we slit its throat and there was, it was messy. I'm glad we don't have to do that. Anybody else agree with me besides the pastor? There are other laws that did not change. Thou shalt not murder did not change. Don't steal did not change. There are some things that went right on through. They didn't end at the cross. And then there are some laws that actually got harder. There are some things that Jesus said that he said, you have heard it said, da-da-da-da-da, but I say, da-da-da-da-da. You have heard it say, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. You have heard it say, don't murder. But I say, even if you call your brother a fool, you have murdered him in your heart. If you hate him in your heart. So there are some things where <laughs> being a Christian after Christ is a whole lot harder than what it was like before. And what Jesus lays out here in verses 27 through 36, friends, are a lot harder than when they than how it was prior 
to the cross. So let me read those to you. He says, but I tell you who hear me. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks. And if they take something that belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, right here I want to I put in my Bible, BFD. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Snarky sarcasm right there. What credit is that to you? Big deal. Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend it to somebody expecting to be repaid, what credit is that to you? Even sinners expect repayment. He says, but love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. Because he is kind to the wicked and the evil, the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father, capital F, is merciful. Friends, those are hard words right there. And I can fully understand why they would be skipped over. Why would... <laughs> you, still, you, don't, you don't preach this stuff. It's, it's hard. So Jesus couches ideas in this language that you have to really think through it to understand what he's saying. First part. Who the heck are your enemies? This is scandalous for Jesus to say this. Because to them, the Romans occupied Israel. And they were the enemy. Come in. Come in. Your enemy could be who? Do we have enemies? We really don't think about that. Who is my enemy? Who am I supposed to love? Now, Jesus is not giving permission here to somebody who is a doormat, or not permission. He is not saying if you're in an abusive situation that you need to stay there. He's not saying that. Sometimes you need to get out. 
But I think what he's saying is you need to love people like our Heavenly Father loves people. Every one of us has the Imago Dei stamp on us. And we're supposed to love his stamp on everybody. Now look at the four names here he has. Enemies. Those who hate you. Those who curse you. And those who mistreat you. I mean, that's quite a list. And I've had situations in my life where because of the things that I have believed, go back to Romans 14, people have cursed me. They've hated me. I've become their enemy. You know how you know if you're an enemy or not of somebody? I call it the little Walmart buggy test. Right? Cruising through Walmart. Got your little buggy. And you see somebody that you know does not like you. You're like, oh my gosh, I need a spatula. (laughs) And you go a different direction. Because you know you do not want to meet that person face to face in front of housewares. That's a buggy test. And and it is a beautiful litmus test on, on how well you are doing in your heart with other people. And every once in a while, the Lord will prompt me to ensure that I always pass that test. And every once in a while, he'll say, hey, Mark, you offended Ben. You need to call him. And you need to get that right. Because one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Matthew 5.8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. The Bible tells us to be blameless, to live our lives in such a way that you're blameless. I think that's a good way to go through life. Verse 29 is not about a slap fight. Verse 29 is about the concept of retaliation. We aren't supposed to <laughs> we aren't supposed to retaliate. Human beings do not know how to do an eye for an eye. We don't know how to do tit for tat. We don't know how to stop. We don't know how to just we we want to take it one more. Beautiful story of this. I think it was October 2nd, 2006. A very sick man went into a schoolhouse in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, intending to hurt some people. He sent all the he sent all of the young children out of the building. He sent a pregnant mommy out of the building, and he sent out uh, three moms that had babies out of the building. And he tied up the ten remaining young girls, and yeah, I think it was just young girls that were left, intending on sexually molesting them. Well, he freaked out because (laughs) they called the cops immediately. And he didn't get a chance to do the wickedness that he had in his heart that he wanted to do. So he 
shot them all a bunch of times, thinking that they were all dead, he turned the gun on himself. Five of the young girls died and five lived. The ones that lived today have horrible trauma that they deal with. The Amish community got together immediately and decided immediately we are going to forgive this man. Within two hours, they were at the wife's house with food and gifts and said, we hold nothing against you. Immediately, they started construction on a brand new schoolhouse. And within a few months, they tore the other one down. Now, I'm sure that they couldn't help but think about that situation every time they drive by that empty field. But it helped them deal with the tragedy that took place there. Rather than retaliating, we need to find ways to bless. We can't erase it. We can't forget it. That's really a funny saying, forgive and forget. But maybe forgive and have a clean heart the best you can for that situation. This section is full of commands. Almost every one of these words that you see listed here is a command form word. Love. It's, he's saying, this isn't an option. And, and the problem is in English, you, you kind of see it, but you don't. But in Greek, you, it's there. It's obvious. The, kind, the way it's written is <coughs> you have to. The love, do good, bless, pray, offer, or turn, take in the prohibitive, give, ask back in the prohibitive, love, do good, lend. Even the word be, be is imperative, a command. Be merciful as your Heavenly Father is merciful. There is so much in this section. You have to be careful in verse 35. No. Yes, 35b. Where's it at? I don't have it on here. 35b. So there's six ifs here and one then. So six ifs, if, then. So if you do this, then. The problem is, everybody, we have to be careful with this. This is not a works righteousness kind of idea. In other words, you won't, this, this doesn't earn you salvation. You have to believe in Jesus and what he did. This is not, you won't, this is, well, if I just do those things, then I'll be a son of God. No. Jesus calls people sons because in the day, if you were a son, you had special privileges. Special, special honor. I'm so excited to share this idea with you guys. In, in it says here, uh, then your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Where do I get out of the camera when I go this way? Where, am I, where do I get out of it? Oh, it follows me? Does it Really? Oh my gosh, so I could like come down here and talk to people and it follows me everywhere I go. That is awesome. How does it know that? 
Oh, you have a joystick? Oh, okay. I have like a little butt, like a, something on my head, and it follows wherever my head goes. Okay, this word kind. This word kind is the word Christus or Christos. Sounds just like Christos, which is Messiah. So Christos. This word Christos is the word that's translated to kind. But it really is more like useful. It has a it has a use. Another word that it's translated into is like fitting in or fitting on or like fits. So like custom made. So if you are one of these people who does all this stuff, when you deal with people that are ungrateful and wicked, you know how to fit in with them, not lord over them. You know how to mold, you know how to you, adapt good. All right, this is so cool. You probably already read ahead. But in verse 30 of chapter 11, where Jesus goes through that thing where he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, those scriptures, take my yoke on you, that word easy right there is the word Christos. Take my yoke on you because it is custom fit for you. I don't have one yoke that I make everybody wear. He, puts, he, he custom makes your life and your walk work with him. So a yoke, you guys all know what that is, right? Two cows in a yoke together, right? The bar, that wooden bar across their neck that they tied the cows to, that's the yoke. That's the piece that he custom makes so that each cow can not get blisters or <laughs> cut open. And when he says, look, I'm going to work with you, he says, I've custom made some things for you that are just for you. He's kind in that way. Isn't that cool? Oof! Gives me chills. This, I, when you study the Bible, you can do it in all sorts of ways. You can study the books, the grammar. You can study the, you know, different things. I enjoy something called redaction criticism. That's where you study the person that wrote it. And you study their life and, and what got them to be w why they did what they did. Luke is the smartest Greek writer in the Bible. You look at his vocabulary, it is like, like uh, George Will. You guys remember George Will, super smart dude? You know, when he talked, it was like, you know, five-syllable words, every one of them. That's how Luke is. He, he has more words in his, in his books that are only used by him. And this is, this is part of that. Okay, really fast, and then we need to be done because we have to hear from you all. Verse 36, be merciful just as your father is merciful. It is common for us sometimes to interchange those words when in reality they are different words. Grace is different than mercy. Grace means that you receive something that you did not deserve or earn. 
That's why salvation is so cool, the way that it's set up, that system is set up, because none of us can do anything so good as to earn it. The other side, mercy, being relieved of a judgment or a punishment. Look, some people deserve to be slapped, but you don't. Some people deserve to be whacked on the side. Some people deserve, but you don't. You love. You do good. You bless. You take care of them. Here we go. How are we to apply this section to our contemporary lives and world? So how do we now, this is the equipping of the saints part, how do we now have people in our lives that we disagree with or that we have become enemies with or that we might hate or curse or whatever? How do we get along? I'm, I'm really ever amazed that there are any more than two people in a church because none of us truly, really believe the exact same thing. So, how do we do this? How do we love our enemies? Your turn. As you're thinking about it, uh, the thought that came to my mind it was the section of that scripture that said, um, do to others as you would the golden have, rule have done to you. Yes. Um, and, I mean, most of the things that I've done in a negative way to somebody else, I wouldn't want that done to me. Um, but It's very different being up here waiting for you all to speak rather than sitting back there and being like, no, don't say anything. No, 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 don't say anything. Just keep your mouth shut tonight. Um, I think it requires great intentionality to love your enemies because, I mean, the example of the Amish community that you mentioned, if they just decided, you know, in their hearts they're going to forgive him, I think that they would have probably grown bitterness in their hearts. Mm. And I think that if you're not swimming strong against the current, you're eventually going to go with it. And mm. when you're just trying to tell yourself that, you know, I forgive them or I'm not holding anything against them, you probably slowly are. Mm. And so I think that great intentionality to really make an extravagant effort to pursue the people that you are feeling bitterness towards has a powerful way of, of flipping that narrative. I was going to say the same thing as Amy is. First of all, pray for your enemies. Pray blessings. Bless them. And the biggest thing is forgiveness. Good. Is to forgive them. Good. Yeah, I, I love what Amy said. Um, I was raised in the Amish community, so one of their core values is forgiveness. That is one, like they, that's, that's a thing for them. They, um, they're raised being taught to forgive. And, and it's very evident their community just exudes it. And so with that example and with what Amy said, um, you know, if we don't have core values that line up with 
Luke 6 and what you talked about, then that makes it hard to do. And I, I have to go back to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. What is, what is love? And the one that sticks out to me is love doesn't seek its own, right? And so I'm not about me. I'm always about Mark. I'm always about Amy. I'm always about Dan. You know, it doesn't, I'm not ever about puffing myself up. And so that makes it, so for me, that's my core value is love. And so <clears throat> it just makes it easier than to then love your enemy because that's that core value for me. At our small group, or our, uh, what do we call it? House Church, uh, one Sunday, uh, we talked about this, and just a little bit. And, you know, maybe, maybe the order here is flipped around. You may not be able to love first, but you can pray first. You can pray for somebody first. And then maybe once that gets worked out in your heart a little bit, then you can bless and when that works out a little, then you can do good. You don't have to love them just yet. And then maybe you love less. Just a thought. So that is our protection system for our kids. The battery is going out. And that's telling us that the battery's going out. But it could also mean we're ready for our next person But we to always share check. Their insight from the Lord. But I believe somebody got a really great revelation when that was going <laughs> off. I was just going to say, you know, it's really easy to love the folks that are, that are nice to you. Um, what credit is that yeah, to you? I know, you know. <laughs> but the, the rule of thumb I, I have is that I, I try to look at everybody through Jesus' eyes. Amen. And just, you can imagine the worst of the worst. And I have to remind myself, Jesus loves, God loves them just as much as, as he loves me. And it's really hard to comprehend that. But just to try to really look at everybody through his eyes, um, that's... It works, you know, and like you said, it's not always easy to, to love them at first, but to forgive them, you can. You can do that. Amen. That's good. So, before Todd goes, I, I want to ask your help in something, because you just reminded me of something that I got last week when Janelle was doing the interaction part, and she said something about the fact that every single one of us um, has Jesus has Jesus in us and when we see what God is doing in us we see Jesus and we see him in so many different ways and when we look at people and and look at them through the eyes of and this is Jesus um it it, it can be just so so powerful and I actually had the thought maybe we could somehow and this is where I would love to get your opinion your thought but in our interactive time I, I would love to see how we see Jesus in other people and I don't even know what that looks like. But the truth is, there is so much Jesus in this room and in this family that we miss out on um, 
because you know we just don't get the opportunity for that. And so if you have a, an idea or suggestion where we could do a service where we have interaction that way, where we kind of pull the Jesus out of people and see the uniqueness. I love what you said, the mantle. I, I've never heard it said that way. Um, the his yoke is easy. Oh that, yeah. That that yeah. I would always consider that like a mantle that's put on us that is yeah. shaped just for us. It's a Jesus sized mantle for each one of us. And how do we get to see that? That'd be something cool. So. Yeah, uh, I'm Todd, um, and I just I, I think it's possible Jesus messed up, like you said he did. Um, give me a hard time. Uh, <laughs> But he started with love your enemies, and I've said often that, you know, love, and it is, love is not, a, it's, it, I mean, there is feelings, there are feelings associated with love, but love is, is an action, it's, it's love your enemies, uh, and then he goes through and he, and he tells us how to love our enemies, tells us what to do to do that. He doesn't just give us a commandment or a command and then just say, figure it out. But he says, love your enemies, and he says, this is how you love your enemies, do good to those bless those, pray for those, um, don't retaliate, take care of those, those, those people that hate you and curse you, and, uh, but he goes through, and I, I just, I love that, that he, he gives us the command, and then he tells us how to, how to walk it out. Amen. So, I, this, my brain went in another, slightly different direction, but, uh, I was reminded of a quote from a movie, but that came from a book, uh, from, uh, uh, Norman McLean from the book River Runs Through It, mm. and that became a movie. Mm -hmm. But there's a critical point, in the, you know, the, at the end of the movie where uh, the, the father actually does a sermon. He's actually a pre uh, preacher up in Montana, but he makes a very good point. Each one of us here uh, today will, love, will at one time in our lives look upon a loved one who is in need or ask the same question. We are willing to help, Lord, but what, if anything, is needed? For it is truly true, we can seldom help those closest to us. Either we don't know what part of ourselves to give, or more often than not, the part we have to give is not wanted. And so it's those we live, in love, and live, live with and should know who elude us. But we can still love them with that. We can love completely without complete understanding. So in, you know, in the context of this conversation, you think about it. You, you, don't, you may not understand why. You may, may be a complete stranger. It may be a family member. Maybe your brother and sister but you need to find a way to love them one way or another. Good. I love, while we're winning, just, I love, Mark, when you shared that with us uh, in the teaching team time and just the idea of those kind of stepping stones to actually getting to the love part. And, you know, later on in that chapter, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, hey, um, no one, no servant or no student is greater than his teacher or his master, but the one who is fully trained will be like his teacher. And I think that's just that invitation to us of like, hey, you know, be like me. This is, you know, he was about to give his life. And so he's just inviting us to say, this is how I think. This is how I act. This is how I love. He told us the father is merciful to the wicked. You know, he's himself getting ready, you know, living by example of forgiving his enemies. And he said, hey, you know what? As you're fully trained, as you take that step to, like, to pray for, and then maybe take that step to bless, and then take that step to do good, and then ultimately 
you know, seeing just the power of God in us. We probably, maybe by the time we get to loving, we didn't even imagine it was possible. But because we obeyed at the first step and just kind of took God at his word, like, okay, I'll, fine, I'll pray. And then fine, I'll bless. And then, you know, I think it can kind of be almost reluctant obedience. But if the Father sees that we're wanting to take those baby steps, we yeah. may find ourselves walking in a level of love that we never even dreamed that was possible. Gosh, that's good. I think this passage makes um, makes you think about the people that hate you or the people that have grieved you. Uh, I'm reminded that more often than not, it's me who has grieved somebody else. And so facilitating that conversation with the Holy Spirit of convicting me, who do I need to ask forgiveness from uh, to go along with the forgiveness talk? Not only who do I need to forgive, but who do I need to ask for forgiveness? Well, he does say that, right? That's the ne very next. Those are the very next commands that he gives there about judging and forgiving. Those are also commands; they're not options. Hi. Hi. You know what we're not doing? We're not saying our name tonight. Oh. I just want you all to know that I've noticed that. Oh, you did. <laughs> I'm Adrian. Hi, Adrian. Hi. Um, so, kind of piggybacking off what that gentleman said, um, like that's, establishing. That's Ben. Ben. Just establishing your core values. Um, right. So we have a middle schooler that's trying to figure out life and friendships and stuff at school. And we've had a lot yes, of you. conversations. <laughs> it's been interesting about um, surrounding herself with the right type of people. And that um, if she's not very clear on what her core values are and where she stands, mm -hmm. that the people she surrounds herself with are going to establish those for her. Good. And so we try to reference back to that as Christians, we are supposed to be Christ-like in everything that we do, and that you know it's very clear in the Bible as to what our actions are supposed to be as Christians. And so, um, again, just to go back to that core value that you really have to know, especially in the world that we're in these days with mm -hmm. social media and so much negativity coming our way, that if we're not firm and where our beliefs are, then it's very easy for all those little naysayers to come in and start changing Good. the way we think. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, we have to really stand strong in that conviction. And so. Gabe, is Gabe going to be the last one? No, 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 we're good. Next to the left. Gabriel, here. Hey, Gabriel. Um, <laughs> Like, all this is, it's good stuff, but, like, at the same time, it's so hard, man. Like, I wish I could just, um, like, I share this, like, in my house group. Like, it's like I wish I could take a pill and just forget. Um... I feel like I feel like every time I reach a step of forgiveness, um, something else like opens up, and it's just like it's too much. It's too much, and like it's like gotta start this all over again. 
and especially like if there's a person who is still uh, uh, um, involved like in your your life and someone that you should care from care for I just I'm I'm angry and uh, frustrated because it seems it doesn't end like, I'm not sure if, like, anyone else could relate to that, but but, like, all this is, like, it's good stuff, but, like, I don't know, like, coming to season, like, of being alone and working through some things, but I tell you, sometimes it just feels pointless because it all comes back again, but like a brand new thing. But I guess, I guess, I, I guess, like, that's why it's so important to have each other and to communicate to each other and show up at the um, um, house churches and, and breakfast groups and and share and be open because we can't do this by ourselves. It's too hard. Would you all take the hand of the person beside you, please? It's all right, guys and guys can hold hands. There we go. And uh, as I'm praying for Gabe, you just kind of pray this for the person that you're mm. holding hands with because I'm sure that what he just said is resonating all over this room. It's hard. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I understand why people want to skip over this part of Scripture. Because it is really hard to forgive people. It's really hard to love people. when we're constantly getting bombarded by, by insults and we get offended. and So, Lord, I pray for Gabe and ask, Lord, that you would help him purify his heart. Help him, Lord. And I don't just say these words tritely. I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would do a deep, good, healthy work in him. And there may not be a pill, but we each have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. That's the only way we can do it. We cannot do it on our own. As Christ followers, we can only do it with his love. And so, Lord, I pray for Gabe. Ask, Lord, that you would work through him to, to begin to feel less encumbered by the, by the offenses that seem to be difficult to let go of. Jesus' name. Amen. So my name is Dan, and um, a lot of what Gabe was saying is um, what all of us do when we look in on human terms. We're here on Earth. When we uh, when someone wrongs us, of course, we want to slap them back, you know. But I think 
the way to truly love someone is to see them through Christ's eyes and its perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, We often live on this world and we think this is the end all and the do all and we're focusing on retaining whatever we're doing, blessings down here. But if we could keep our perspective heavenly and look down and like live our life with eternity's values in mind, eternity's perspective in mind, I think we would think a lot differently. I think we sit down here on earth and we go through the motions of all these things and that person wronged me and the rest of the world is telling us, no, you need to attack them. You need to get back from them for, for doing that. But Christ is the exact opposite, as you said. And it's really about our perspective. Is like, it's not so much about here, but up there. So I'm willing to take a loss. I'm willing to take a knee when it's time and accept that person. Good work. Good. So it's all about perspective in my mind. Good. So when I was reading this, What's your this name? week, oh Justin, Thank sorry. You. When I was reading this this week, I'm familiar with the scripture. Um, I kept asking the question, why? And I don't, this might take a lot of time, but when I read 27 and 28, it's easy to understand that, but not easy to do. But I understand why. But when I got to 29 and 30, I can keep turning my cheek, but when can I walk away? I can keep giving my clothes. When can I stop? And, you know, you can keep giving to somebody, even, you know, they might be not using it for good. And I don't ask for it back the first few times, but how often do I have to keep giving it? Mm. So to me, why, when I was reading through this, is like, where, do, where can we as Christians draw the line? It's in my notes <laughs> to say that there's no way that we can resolve every one of the issues that are in this. But doesn't Jesus say, don't cast your pearls before swine as well? So sometimes at some point, you don't, you don't, I'm still trying to get my mind around this, um, give to everyone who asks you. Mm. What is he really, always and forever? You have to be wise at some point, right? And tough love maybe with some people sometimes. Um, the 40-year-old single young man that's your kid that's living on your couch in your basement for too long. At some point, you, you do, there do need to be tough love ideas in there. It's better for somebody to not give them at some point. Yeah. And I think it's important to keep asking that question and get I love what the Holy Spirit is doing in here tonight um, in the vulnerability and, and these these type of questions I look in an hour and a half around 45 we, we can't answer all of this mm. um, but we can recognize that oh my gosh that guy has the same thought that I have or he has the same struggle that I have mm. and I just want to encourage you um, Take this away from tonight and ask other people about this. Get in discussions about this. Um, I forget exactly who said it. I think it was Amy, but you need to be intentional about this because if you don't, I love her example, if you if you don't swim up that stream, you will get caught and you will just get caught and another week will go by and another week will go by, another month, another year, and we're going to be all in that same place. Um, be intentional. Intentional. Be intentional about 
continuing this conversation and getting with people and keep asking that question um, because I think that's a good one. And you might get different perspectives from different people. Um, and if you have an answer for either Gabe or Justin that popped into your head or mind, don't leave here without talking to them tonight. Go talk to them and share something that you feel like the Lord spoke to you. I'll share really quick. Um, so a couple years ago, actually, our first trip out to Colorado, um, our vacation, we were on vacation. Our vacation got cut short because my we found out that my oldest sister had passed away. And after investigation, we found out that she had actually um, taken her own life. Um, so talking about forgiveness is really difficult. Um, and I think in response to Gabe, you know, what I would say to that is um, it took me I've been a Christian since before I knew what that was because I was raised in that that family. Um, but after that, um, I couldn't even actually forgive God because he was the only one that was there that could have stopped that situation. Um, and I also didn't know how to forgive my sister, and she wasn't even here anymore for me to do that. And so I think I had a choice, and I could have hardened my heart, and I could have just decided um, that, it was too hard. It was too impossible. Um, and I did. I went through some time where I, I didn't even know if I believed in the Lord anymore. Um, and at that time, I had asked God, like, because, you know, when something traumatic like that happens, you just, you go on this pendulum of, like, deep depression where you can't get out of bed. And then you go to, like, the other side where you're like, well, I have to make something really wonderful out of this. Like, I need to go and, like, talk about suicide prevention and awareness, like we, we go through those. And I, I really asked the Lord, like what he required of me at that time. And it was amazing at what he had relieved me of, like of the things that he took off my plate. But the one thing that he didn't allow me to surrender at that time was actually worship, doing worship at our church. And I was like, God, of all things, like, I don't even know if I believe the words of these songs wow. anymore. Wow. So how can I sing them? And sometimes the songs that he would give me to sing, I was like, I mean, I would just get up there. But the, the thing that broke me out of it was that even when I emotionally and, like, mentally, I didn't even believe the words, I just still kept proclaiming them. That's like, right. I just kept yeah. saying it, yeah. and it was not in my own strength. And it was actually the most impactful worship that I've actually ever had because I was just so empty of myself. And I just said, like, I'll get up here and I'll just open my mouth. But literally, like, whatever comes out, like, I don't, it's not of my own because I don't even believe what I'm singing. But I just kept doing it. And eventually, I had a heart change. Like, I, I, and, and I guess I'm trying to say that in, like, we all want to believe that we can do this, right? Like, we can forget. But it, ultimately, like, when it comes to things that literally can't be reconciled on this side of heaven, like, we don't have it in us. So at that point, it's just the Lord. Like, it's just him. And so even when we don't believe it and we don't feel it, we just have to keep saying it because the Bible says it and we know it's true. And so you just keep saying it until your heart matches, <laughs> if that makes sense. Give thanks in all circumstances. In the spiritual world, words of Dory, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, right? <laughs> keep saying it. Is that enough? Is that enough? 
have a lot to think about now as we go. I hope this is not too Catholic for you, but what I want you to do is put your hands out in front of you and put them palms down. Father, I ask that you would help us to not hold on to things that are not good for us. Let gravity take them away. Remind us, Lord, of those things that we are gripping onto too tightly. Now flip your hands over. And Father, fill us up. Fill us up with you. Help us, Lord, to recognize that we can only do some of these things through you. We love you tonight. Help us to be more like Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.